Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Well, this morning we're looking at Isaiah 11, and we're looking at the book of Isaiah. And um, we have kind of looked at a couple of the first parts of the book of Isaiah. It's, it's split into a couple of different parts, really, this prophecy in the book. And the first part is kind of chapters 1 to 12. And we find ourselves kind of coming to the end of that first part. And so far, it just doesn't look good at all for Israel. Um, Isaiah has prophesied uh, that... Is Syria and they will be attacked by Assyria and then beaten by Babylon. So it doesn't look good. Um, And the the wonder of this is, is that yes, it doesn't look good, but there is always hope. This is an ordinary people who have been chosen by an extraordinary God. (coughs) And yet, as we find again, they have forgotten him. They've turned to idols and have turned their hearts away from him. And it's actually again and again the theme of the Israelites, isn't it? We see it all through the Old Testament. And it's a little bit the theme of our hearts, I'm sure. I know it is of mine. I turn to God, I come away. And he is so faithful. So that's a little bit of the scene. And as Isaiah sets the scene for us today in Isaiah 6, and at the end of um, Isaiah 6, it says, but as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So if you go back, so these are the trees that are the mighty trees that Isaiah has said that Israel are like. And then on the next slide, oh, well done, yeah. So this is, this holy seed will become a stump. And as you might have seen on the next slide, You might uh, recognise that stump that I put up there. For those of you that have been watching the news, that is the tree along Hadrian's Wall. You see, there's been an outcry about this iconic and ancient tree by Hadrian's Wall because a 16-year-old boy decided one night, I'm going to cut it down. And this ancient tree and beloved tree is now a stump where there used to be a great sycamore tree. It's estimated to be about 700 years old. And now, sadly, a stump of a tree lies where there once was a tree that sheltered walkers from the rain and served as a resting place for weary travellers. It's really sad, isn't it? This stump, this seemingly lifeless piece of wood is all that remains of special moments for people And it seems like a sad and hopeless news story, doesn't it? And Israel in Isaiah seems in a similar position, cut down, battered by conquering nations, swallowed up where they had stood apart. It seems pretty hopeless. And I just want to say, maybe you feel like a stump today. (laughs) Maybe you feel a bit beaten and battered by life and things around you, situations that you found yourselves in. I mean, looking at the news this week, I felt pretty heavy. I felt pretty confused, put in diff- pulled in different directions. 
the hurt and the pain in this world, it is screaming. It's not just a little whisper. We need a God who is here with us in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the things we are wading through and has a better story to tell. Israel's story looks utterly hopeless. And as we come to chapter 11, there is a whisper of hope that turns into, I think, a cry of relief. As we see, although this seems like the end of the story, God is not done with his people. He is not finished with his story of redemption. He has not given up on his people and he is going to do something seemingly impossible and better than we could dream. You see, did you know that stumps can grow again? Yep, I found a lot of information on this. Some pretty boring and uh, long, so I couldn't use it. But I have found some quotes. So let me share with you. Chris Buchon. Oh, no, go back. Or next one. Well, anyway, Chris Buchon, who he works in forestry, he said, it's a big and it's old, but sycamores do regenerate very vigorously. It's a traditional coppice species. So I was like, thanks, Chris. I'm going to look at some other information. And I found treerenewal.com. There's actually so much information on this, which is amazing. You may be wondering if a tree can regrow itself from a stump. Well, the answer is yes. Woohoo! Trees can grow back if the stump is left in place, the roots are still left in place, and can produce sprouts that may eventually grow into a tree. Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 11, what does it say? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and his roots, and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is talking about a stump growing again. Israel might be but a stump, but its roots are still left in place. And this stump has a God who is determined to bring good things good things through his, this people that he loves. God's story of love and redemption and grace does not stop at this point in Israel's history. Oh, we sigh a sigh of relief. And what does this hope look like? Well, it's not a whole new tree. No, God is going to actually bring hope through that stump and it will grow again. A shoot will come up through the people of Israel, full of the Spirit of God, that, one, that will one day lead the people to places of peace and rest. One branch in particular in this family tree will lead in the Spirit with righteousness and will bear fruit. That's what this says, doesn't it? But growth takes time. And as that sycamore at Hadrian's Wall stood for about 700 years, this shoot will grow into a tree with branches and it will bear fruit, but patience will be needed as it grows. Trust will be needed when you can't see the whole picture. I don't know about you, but it is easy for me to want to run to the end of the big picture when we have a big tree again, when it's all done. But this growth is going to take generations And for a time, that stump will look like a stump. And it needs to be left in good soil, not tampered with, because then it will start to grow. What looks like little nodules will turn into branches, and then over time, they will strengthen, and there will be a new tree 
where the old tree was, and it will produce fruit. Patience is needed, trust is needed. And Isaiah says that after time there will be a shoot from this stump of Jesse, and he will lead in the power of the Holy Spirit with righteousness. And this is our hope as well as Israel's hope. So let's look at what this hope is in Isaiah 11. Firstly, this branch of the tree is who? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What a joy. I don't know if you've ever done a family tree, actually. Has anybody in here done a family tree before? Yeah, Dad, yeah. Both of my parents are really into it, and it's been done on both sides. It's actually quite fascinating when you do a family tree. On both sides of my family, people have looked into who's gone before them. It's very interesting to see who, where you've come from and who's gone before you. I say it's generally always interesting. I do come from a family of storytellers. Sometimes I hear those stories over and over again. So it's not always interesting, but it's generally really interesting. And Jesus's family tree goes all the way back to this stump in Israel, of Israel. Jesse's family tree goes all the way forward to Jesus. But bigger than that, God's story of redeeming his people goes through the line from Jesse to Jesus. God is going to redeem his people. Human, pe- human, human beings who are part of God's redemption story, all showing parts of who God is. In this family line, there are people who mess up, fall short, forget their first love, who shine the lights uh, to the world of who God is, but there are also those who very much mask who he is until Jesus Jesus is the perfectly, fully human saviour we need. He is God in human form, utterly divine, and yet taking on the form of his created beings. This shoot that turns into a a branch is our saviour God with a family tree. He has a lineage. He's born like you and I. His first cries were heard by a mother. Growing and learning and yet knowing all at the same time. Those limitations of physicality experienced by God. Not just joining in with the redemption story, but Jesus brang the redemption story to the whole world. The physicality of the saviour, God's saving plan is vital for us to hear today. He has a history. He has a family. He has challenges to face. And do you ever wonder if God gets it, whatever your it is, like really gets it? Do you ever wonder if he can really understand? Well, Jesus was fully human, although fully divine, from the line of Jesse, flesh and blood, and in his humanity took on the limitations of the human form. It's madness that Although Jesus for all eternity had been God, now as a human, he, this thing that he created, he walked the earth. Martin Luther King Jr. puts it like this. The appearance of such a divert, sorry, the appearance of such a person more divine and more human than any other and standing in closest unity at once with God and man 
is the most significant and hopeful event in human history. I just love that. He says that one of the most hopeful parts of the, hum- of the uh, story is that Jesus was more human and more divine than any other. Isn't that beautiful? And Isaiah opens this up even more as not only is Jesus fully human, fully divine, and in that state of humanness, but that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit dwells within him, enabling him to do what divinely he could do, but humanly he cannot. Do you understand? Does it, do you get that? He's taking on those limitations. This is such beautiful news for us today. God is not only going to grow a new shoot and bring forth life from what seems dead. He will do it through his people and it will be one who is fully human in the line of Jesse with the spirit of God resting on him and bringing forth fruit. He will send him born of a woman and he will be Emmanuel. So second point. So he's fully human and yet fully divine and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Well, Isaiah does a beautiful work of of looking at what does that Holy Spirit look like and how it impacts the life of this branch. So let's look at those first couple of lines. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. As Jesus, the Son of Man, walked this earth, he was led by this spirit. And I think there's something really significant in in the pairing of these attributes. You see, the spirit doesn't bring just wisdom, it brings understanding. Doesn't just counsel, but is also of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. I just want to look at these a bit more. So firstly, wisdom and understanding. When I think about that, I actually think about the woman at the well. When Jesus has wisdom about her situation, he has insight about her situation. He has wisdom about what she's done in her life and how that would affect her. But he also has understanding of the depths of her thirsts that she has thirsted for so much in this world that only God could give her and he can offer her a drink that will not just refresh her but overflow in her heart. And she runs away delighting and proclaiming, he's told me everything I ever did. And he also understood her. He saw her. The spirit of God brings wisdom and understanding. Jesus sees us and he understands us, you and me. And that brings life and joy. Isn't the spirit good? And secondly, the spirit of counsel and might. This word counsel is a little bit like advice. The only other word I could find for it really is counsel. And I love how the spirit not only just counsels, gives advice, but brings might and strength. God does not tell us what to do and then leave us. We see Jesus throughout the Gospels taking him away to be with his father, to seek counsel. And then he goes out in the strength of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm a busy person and a huge challenge for me is slowing down and listening, listening to the counsel, the Holy Spirit. I have lots of friends who spend long times with the Lord. I'm a mum of two little children. No, that's an excuse. It's just an explanation. Um, And I find it incredibly encouraging as I look at Jesus' life, as he walks with the Holy Spirit, that he's constantly giving thanks, that he's asking people questions, that he's giving people space to think. And I think this comes moment by moment listening to the Holy Spirit. In the space of our life, the Holy Spirit speaks. Jesus was the one who looked to the Holy Spirit for counsel and might as he did his ministry. He encouraged those that he sent out to do the same. So we have the same encouragement. Listen to that counsel and go out knowing that his might goes with you. Seek the spirit of count for counsel and strength to follow through. Through the line of Jesse will come one whose roots are good because they are in good soil. And through the nutrients of the soil will go, grow one who the spirit rests on, fully human, fully divine and filled with the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, knowledge and fear of the Lord. Many of us know a lot. You might be an academic, you might have an academic accolade. You might read a lot. You might be well researched. Do you know what? You might be an expert at something, have a lot of experience in an area and know a lot. But what is interesting about this is how knowledge and fear of the Lord is partnered. With the Spirit, these come together. There is humility in the Spirit as one sees what they know and sees what they don't. It sees who they are and actually who they're not. When I was at uni, we did a study on the fear of the Lord and came up with our own way of explaining it that I love, I've always found really helpful. And, and the way that me and this group came up with the definition was that fear is awe-inspired reverence. And I found this so helpful over the years as I've looked at Jesus's life and cannot help but wonder how in all that Jesus did, he walked in awe-inspired reverence of his father. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus, although God himself had awe-inspired reverence of his father, knowing everything and yet delighting to live and walk in the fear of the Lord, working with unity with his Father and the Spirit. With the Spirit comes humility as we see ourselves in all of our knowledge before God. And it's not to diminish what we know, but it's to put it into perspective. And what is so beautiful in these verses that it says that this will be Jesus' delight. We can often see humility as dreary, but with Jesus, it is his delight to walk in humility with his Father God, the limitations of human physicality, and filled with the Holy Spirit, because it would bring the redemption story into play. Number three, Jesus will not just judge by his ears or his eyes, but in the Spirit with righteousness. 
as we look at verse 3, we see how um, this walking in the Spirit impacted Jesus and how this vision of hope of a leader is one who will see people and situations for what they really are. If you look at verse 3, it says, He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decision for the poor of the earth. Uh, Reverend Canon Kelly Brown Douglas says, It matters that he, Jesus, consistently affirmed, empowered and befriended those who were outcast, marginalised, oppressed and rejected of his day, such as Samaritans and women. Living in 2023, where we have the Bible, we're living the light of it. We live in light of Jesus's life and Sunday school teachings and preachings on a Sunday. This quote can seem kind of obvious. But the unrelenting reality of living in this world is that injustice is everywhere. You might have experienced it or daily experienced it. I don't know your story. But do you know what the wonder of God is that Jesus is the king who does. He does not judge by what he sees. He does not judge by what he hears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And with justice, he will give decisions. He knows your heart. He is a God, the king, the one in whom redemption is worked. And he is trustworthy because he does not disqualify you on account of anything other than your heart. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the fact that sometimes, actually, in reality, though, that's actually much worse than being judged by our outsides. Because you and I know what goes on in our hearts. Um, I think what I just want to unpack a bit is this word judgment. So I think, I think it's actually got a bad rap. It's become a synonym of condemnation. Don't judge me. Oh, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be condemned, is what we're saying. But actually, when you say um, judgment, it means to come to a conclusion. It means to come to a conclusion that something is a 3 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. That on the bake-off, a cake has a soggy bottom. (laughs) Or on Strictly, that someone's done a bad tango. To judge doesn't actually mean to condemn. What it means is to come to a conclusion about something or someone. And this is important because you and I come to conclusions all the time, don't we? They're often made with our eyes or our ears, but we come to them. I actually had a funny moment this week. We had our community group. We started a new community group. We had our first uh, meeting on Tuesday night. And I was stood, Mike had taken the kids upstairs to do bedtime, and I looked at our living room and I thought, oh, no. I've not got very long and our house is a tip. So I tidied up, I hoovered, I moved stuff around, I put some fairy lights on, I made it like a nice welcoming. <laughs> I put the food out on the table and I, and I made it all lovely. And what that group would have seen as they came into our house is Hannah and Mike's house is quite tidy. <laughs> wow, they really keep it clean in here. You know, they have food out, Wow. Now, that might be the conclusion that they had come to, but let me tell you, that is not how I live every day. (laughs) 
And our hearts are often like that living room. It goes through so many different moments from ordered to messy to dirty to clean to focused to loud and noisy. You get the picture. And it's easy for us to come to conclusions about things based on outside how my living room looks versus what it's actually like. (laughs) Our hearts are not naturally turned towards God. We're actually more naturally like these Israelites. The ox knows its master. The donkey knows its manager. But Israel does not know, and my people do not understand. Our conclusions about ourselves, about others, are often made with our eyes and our ears. We see something or we hear something and we come to conclusions. We judge those situations. But in Jesus, we have one who does not judge with his eyes or his ears, but with righteousness and with the spirit. And all of those attributes that we just looked at, wisdom and counsel, wisdom and understanding, who walked this Jesus who walked our human existence. He sees and he knows and he understands the human heart and he knows your heart. And with all that in mind, he judges, he comes to a conclusion. And that's why it's not necessarily good news, is it? When we look at our own hearts, because my, my heart is messy and it's ugly. It's full of darkness as well as goodness. But the wonder of the gospel is knowing all of that, coming to those right conclusions about us. Jesus died for you. Knowing who you are, the state of your heart, he took all of that so that you and I can be freed from what we could never free ourselves from. He truly sees us and he comes to the conclusion that we need help. And he is the one who is our true rescuer. He is the one who is Israelite, Israel's true rescuer. Jesus has taken to the battlefield of, of righteousness on our behalf and praise the Lord, he has won. And verse four and five give a picture of this. And we see how he is the only one who could do this as he is the only one who could truly judge perfectly, deeply and wholly. And as he does this, he does it in a way that all of our expectations of judgment are flipped on their heads. Jesus is the only one who can judge because he is the only one who truly sees and he is the only one who is, um, he is the true rescuer and he is the only one who can truly rescue us from ourselves and the destruction This branch of Jesse looks wonderful more and more as we look at it. And what is the ultimate hope? What is the ultimate thing that Isaiah lays out for the Israelites and for us today? Well, if you look at verse six with me, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the the young child will put its hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God 
as the waters cover the seas. This morning, we were playing making a zoo in our house with the kids, and Caleb decided that all of the animals should go in one cage. And I was thinking, this is not how it is, Caleb. That lion cannot be next to that cow. That's not going to end well. We live in the now and not yet. Okay? But it is coming. That picture of peace, where the weak can be amongst the strong and be safe, is coming. This picture of the infant being secure and the innocent being truly free is coming. The calm and the peace is coming. How do we know? Because God's story of redemption is being worked out. That shoot that comes from the line of Jesse, that comes from that stump, has come. And he has fulfilled what he has promised that he will. And so we can know that the rest is coming. But it isn't here yet. And in, in Christ, in the church and in our lives, we have the joy of glimmers. Glimmers of it on this earth as we walk with God. We get to see glimmers of peace, of God's rich presence, of poor and needy being given honour, dignity and care by the strong and the wealthy. We get to see the kingdom of heaven coming close. It isn't here yet, but it is coming. And in the waiting, we get to live in the kingdom of God on this earth. It's a broken world, but we have a good king. The stump is not dead. It is not over. The story for Israel has hope, and it will take generations. It will not be clean and tidy. Patience is needed and trust in the waiting. But he is doing it. You and I are that fruit, aren't we? We're that fruit. We are the church, full of God's people. We have seen so much more of what, of what God can do than those Israelites saw. And we will see more as we walk with him and trust in him. So I don't know which part of this story speaks to you, whether you feel like a stump, whether you feel like all you can see is a stump, whether you feel like there's little shoots coming, but you feel <coughs> impatient, whether you can see that Jesus has come, but it is painful in the waiting. You might look and feel hopeless, but God is at work. He has not left us. And he invites us to walk with him in his redemption story. <laughs>